So no one has been a Christian for more than 20 minutes speaking to a non-Christian and heard these words. Judge not, lest you be judged. Always comes back at you. And it's always the, you know, the most rank pagan you've ever met telling you some story about what they just did. And you're saying, oh, no, no, that's not good. And they say, judge not, lest you be judged. Always. And if you're sitting at lunch, you should re- reply, uh, I see you got the chicken salad. And they can say, why, yes, I did. And he says, well, you're very judgmental. You know they have ham on the menu. Because, of course, judgment is an essential part of prudence, knowing the means to the ends, a cardinal virtue. Amen. You have to be able to judge, of course, between right and wrong, good and bad, um, chicken sandwiches and ham sandwiches, as the case may be. Some judgments are more important than others. Um, some judgments are you know, rather inconsequential, like what you'll have for lunch, I suppose. But then there's this sin of judgment. And it's almost like, a, a, you know, you want to use another word. And, and actually, Jesus does in the text. You'll see that he says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. And that may be more aptly spoken, that second one around, the, the condemnation of another person. But what is this sin of judgment over and against actual principal part of prudence, knowing the means to the end? So, for instance, if the, if the end is heaven, and that is the ultimate end for which we must use prudence and judgment, okay. well then, you know, there's, there's, we want that. In that kind of judgment, I want you to act with judgment in everything that you do. Matter of fact, in, probably in more things than you, than you currently do, right? The sin of judgment has two principal components, possibly a third But the first is judging him over whom one does not have authority. It is not the case that I can pronounce to Bishop Chad, thou art a heretic, my friend. Why is that? Because I'm a deacon and he's a bishop. He's the authority. Now, let's say he is, you know, a material heretic. Well, I could come up to him in private and say, Father, I, I saw you wrote this or said this or whatever, and I think that, you know, maybe it's filial correction. But I don't judge him. And maybe he turns around and says, well, and this is the second part of the sin of judgment, uh, that's contrary to the truth. So the other sin of judgment is judging contrary to the truth. Now, we saw this in last week's gospel where Jesus is hanging out with sinners and publicans and tax collectors. And, 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 you know, you hear that and you really don't really grasp, you know, the nature of it. He's hanging out with prostitutes, okay, and with traitors, co-conspirators, collaborators with an, an enemy army. How it is that, you know, like Matthew, the tax collector, well, he doesn't work for the IRS. He works for the enemy army that's occupying their country. How it is that him and Simon the Zealot ever, you know, hung out together. But they hung out together because Jesus told them not to judge one another. Namely, that they didn't know what was in each other's hearts and souls. And that gets back to this contrary to the truth. Because we don't always know what's going on inside someone. Let me give you an example. You're at a store 
and a mom and her 15-year-old daughter are there. And she just bursts out. You're just kind of minding your own business, getting ready to check out. And she bursts out, I hate you. I'm going to kill myself and runs out of place. And you think to yourself, what a rotten kid. Or if you're even a little bit more pious than that, you think, that's a breach of the fifth commandment. Thou shalt honor thy mother and thy father. And you might be tempted to judge that 15-year-old who should certainly know better. She's not a toddler. And I'm not saying that she's missing all culpability in that particular instance. There's obviously some culpability. But you have no idea how much. It may be she's been raised by a pair of atheists. She's unbaptized, never taken to church, has no idea what the fifth commandment is. Well, now, abused. Well, now, verbally. Maybe otherwise. Well, now, all of a sudden, her culpability is... a little bit less. You would have a lot more charity towards that young woman than you would have maybe before. Contrary to the truth. Or maybe not contrary to the truth, but not knowing the whole truth. But let's take one that's a little bit more black and white. You know somebody. They're having an adulterous affair. You think to yourself, well, that person's, you know, on the highway to hell. But if you have the fortitude and you love that person just like Jesus loves that person, what do you do? You condemn them? No. You come alongside, you put your arm around them and say, brother, sister, you've got to stop this. This is going to ruin your life. This is going to ruin your marriage. This is going to ruin your children. This is really, really the ruination of all things. Stop it. Now that would take a considerable amount of fortitude. I tell you what, you know, anybody who's ever attempted that before, I mean, what could, what could come back at you as a result of that? A whole bunch of hate and discontent. That person may take that filial correction, that brotherly love, to heart, okay, and they may not. And even if you judge it to be 99% chance that they're going to yell and scream at you and hate you and break the relationship, and nevertheless, with fortitude, you go ahead and pursue that out of love for them. That is what we should do with, with each other and with whoever else we find. First, we should never ever judge any, anyone over whom we don't have authority. You don't judge another man's kids. They're not your kids. Parents have authority over it. Okay? And they may be misbehaving. I get it. I've seen a lot of misbehaved children in my life, sometimes in my own home. (laughs) But I did find myself not judging, because not the sin of judgment, because guess what? They were my kids, and you know what? I do have authority over them. (laughs) But not other people's kids, not other people's servants. Each of us is a servant of Christ. Christ is our judge. And condemnation is not there, love. How do, we, how do we fight this? How do we try to stave off this sin of judgment? First, with the grace, the, the virtue of affability. Affability is the virtue by which one is able to be befriended. How easy is it for you to be a friend of a person that you meet? You should befriend whoever you find in this world. 
at least attempt to. I'm not saying trust, you know, and all the things that in the scary world that might be the case, but I'm saying affability, willing to be their friend. Are you willing to be other people's friends? Because you see, when you open your heart to that, then you have the compassion of Christ. And then you're not prone to the sin of judgment, but the sin of, of the, the, but the virtue of filial love. The other way, the other thing that, that you might think about, the other virtue that would be contrary to the sin of judgment, it would keep you from the sin of judgment. And I apologize for the Greek word, but there is no word in English. Epiakia. Epiakia, pardon. Epiakia. That is the virtue by which one knows the mind of the legislator. One knows the mind of the legislator. And yes, it's a virtue. It's certainly a virtue in a judge. If he understands the mind of the lawgiver, he will know how to apply the law. Now, in that example before with the Pharisees in last week's gospel, what didn't they understand? First, they didn't understand that it wasn't for them to judge other men's souls. Jesus is offering them salvation and they need to stay out of his way. We all do. But the other thing is this, is that God wanted those people saved. In the Holy Scriptures, it says God wants all men saved. That's what's on the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. It should likewise be on our heart. The one who writes the law wants men to be saved. And so knowing the mind of Jesus, who died for our sins, for your sins, for my sins. And as we want to be saved, so Jesus wants to save everyone around us. How do we arrive at Epiakia? Well, more virtues. The intellectual virtues, very rarely talked about in the church. Very rarely. And I guess the reason for that is, is that they, they obtain to the entire world of knowledge. But they're also applicable to us. Understanding, knowledge, wisdom. These are the things by which we pursue the mind of the legislator. Where we find out what is on God's heart. And these are all virtues that we need to practice within ourselves. How do we do that? Well, one of the things you're doing right now, you're coming and listening to a sermon. Good for you. But you also read the scriptures. You understand the history of the church. You understand the, you know, the Old Testament as well, not just the New Testament. You seek the mind of God. You seek it on your knees in prayer that we might have the mind of God. If the Pharisees would have had the mind of God, they would not have committed the sin of judgment. Jesus finishes this pericope, this section of Scripture, with a different perspective. I will read it to you. It's a bit rough, but it's coming straight from the mouth of our Lord, sweet Jesus, who loves you. He loves you. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The sins that you need to be most concerned with 
or your own. And if you're concentrating on that, you'll be less likely to fall into the sin of judgment. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.